0: Welcome into the fourth episode of the third season of the Sabre Metrics podcast hosted by the
1: Charging Buffalo. My name is Bill. Alongside me as always is Walt. Walt, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good. Looking forward to talking about some Sabers hockey. I mean, we got the preseason games. We finally have something material to talk about for the upcoming season. Yeah, I'm
0: excited. Uh, I've already got a couple games underway. The next Sabers preseason game is tomorrow. We are recording this Friday night, uh, September 30th. They're game uh at 1 p.m on the first which is saturday against pittsburgh they're actually playing uh some former sabers uh drake kajula alex nalander chad ruiedel and dustin Tokarski will all be in the lineup there um any thoughts on any of those names i just rattled out the one actually i wanted to talk about was drake kajula because i actually kind of thought he started last season pretty well and then he had some kind of what was it? shoulder injury um and that was yeah, pretty much end something. of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the one thing I remember Drake Caggiula is how like the Sabers posted that clip of him getting like injured in practice and like their sixty second roundup. That was just like oh, insane. Was?
0: Oh my god! Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I forgot they did that. Well, not great. Jeez, um, <laughs> I've. That's like, uh, what was it, the ankle injury? The high ankle sprain that he got? Oh, yeah. That? <laughs> I think that they had, too, on camera? That was not good. Gergensons.
1: Gergensons, man,
0: they've got a lot of, I mean, everything's everything's on camera these days, so it's, it'd be more surprising if someone didn't catch it, but yeah, yeah great. Yeah, but to maybe, post maybe, that on, yeah. like,
1: a 60-second <laughs> roundup.
0: <laughs> I mean, not great. I mean, it is technically new, so they are rounding up the day and what happened, but, oh, that's just <laughs> not great. Um, so yeah that's who the Sabres are playing on, on Saturday in the lineup for the Sabres and uh, we're going to dive into not only the lineup but kind of some of your comments on it that I totally 100% agree with Um. so it's not like we're going to have any debate there but um, we'll at least talk about it the interesting line combos here from Lance Laskowski of the Buffalo News is Thompson centering Quinn and Olofsson if you like shooters there you go look no further Middlestat is centering Skinner and Tuck. Cousins is centering Krebs and Paterka. Paterka's on the right side there. Giergensen's is centering Oppozo and Asplund, which that could be a pretty good line, man. I mean, if you think Asplund can kind of do the same thing that um, that Larson did, Johan Larson did, I think that would be a pretty solid line. And then you have Savoy centering Henestroza and Bjork. D-pairings. Darlene is with Samuelson. I guess I should say Samuelson. First, we're going left to right here. Samuelson's on the left side. Then it's Power, Yoki Haru, Bryson Fitzgerald, and Davies. Labushkin Davies is one of those, I mean, like third, probably like third guy you call up from Rochester. Um, They still have like Oscar Relax and then um, some other players as well. But uh, that is the lineup that is most likely going to be for tomorrow's game. Um, and you had some comments on this. this is actually, I'm going to read off a, a tweet on this. Um, you see, like, a lot of tests with the top three centers. Like I said, uh, Thompson, Middlestat, and Cousins. Thompson is, like, your true $7 million guy. You know, can he actually live up to that? And can he not only be a shooter but a playmaker for other shooters? Middlestat is, I mean, if you can't produce with Skinner and Tuck, that's that's concerning. Um, and Cousins you know can you really be that defensive guy where JJ Paterka is a rookie and I mean I'm not going to say he's bad defensively but he's unproven is at best I guess you could say and then Krebs who didn't look great defensively last year I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on all of that and just kind of see where your where your thoughts were with it I agree but I just wanted to do it, you to expand on it a little bit
1: yeah I mean that top line you're definitely switching up kind of what made everything work with the top line last season i mean really how tage thompson scored last season was he had two wingers that kind of i mean played hard below the dots kind of really opened up the middle of the ice for him and uh now they're placing with two like kind of more shoot first players and jack quinn and victor Olsson. i mean guys that really don't get too dirty below the dots so it's definitely going to be a change of pace for Tage Thompson. I mean, I'm not exactly sure that this is the perfect environment you want to place him in. Uh maybe they're probably banking on him uh being able to just control that center of the ice and maybe push the puck out to the wings for It'd some high like a, quality shot attempts. Like a but,
0: big pivot, yeah. Uh
1: that's I mean, that's really the only thing I could think of. But yeah, I mean, having your three best shooters on the team on one line is definitely interesting, but Don Granada's done interesting stuff before that somehow works, so we'll see what his plan is with this top line.
0: Yeah, I think with them, um, if you're going to try something like this, this is the time to try it. I mean, you're, what, a couple games into preseason. You still have some to come. Um, actually, I might as well just mention those. Uh, obviously, Saturday playing, but then Tuesday, the 4th, they're playing against Carolina. I believe that is in Buffalo, and then again um, on the 7th, on Friday, they're playing the Penguins, I believe. Oh, man. Is that in Pittsburgh? I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, um, the second line with Casey Middlestat, is this like his time to shine? Like, I feel like this, you know, this game he's going to be on the second line, but as we start to see the next couple of games, they might give him like first line minutes and be like, hey, can you be a top six guy for us? Or do we need to really start putting you into this? third line role where you're not going to be the main source of offense you might be the main source of offense on that line specifically but if you're going to be playing with someone like Krebs and Paterka then you also need to be able to play defense if you're going to be playing on that third line so what's your thought process there with um, putting middle step between Skinner and Tuck
1: yeah I mean they're pretty much placing him on the same line that Tage Thompson had his breakout offensive season on last year I mean throwing Jeff Skinner and Alex talk on his wing so I think this is really just a prove it opportunity for Casey Middlestat because at the bottom of that lineup in the middle of that lineup's filling up pretty fast and Casey Middlestat really hasn't been able to show what he truly has the really the past few seasons because a lot of stuff's been disrupted by injury so I mean there's still kind of that question like maybe if he's healthy for a full year he could have a strong year but Yeah, I mean, this is basically just the prove it line. I mean, if he can't produce with these two guys, he'll probably never be able to produce at a high rate at the NHL level. So I think this is a huge test for Casey Middlestat. And if he doesn't succeed, I mean, there may not be much more future left for him in Buffalo. Uh, Like I said before, with all the guys coming up through that lineup.
0: Yeah, I'd hate to say because I feel like he is part of the culture. Like, he has a lot of friends on the team, and, you know, he seems like a decent guy from from what you can see. So that is kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it's like, hey, if you don't have a spot here, we can't just keep you around just for the vibes. Like, it's going to come a point where they need to move on from you. So we'll see what uh, Middlestat has to, to offer in that position. Um, that might be the fix-it line where, you know, some guy's struggling, you just you know, put him in between Skinner and Tuck, and, and he's all fixed. So that would be nice. Um but then we have Cousins uh, as a third line center, which I think realistically, as like him as like a really good third line center. What his third professional season in, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of where I would want him to be. And I think your question was, are the defensive impacts for real? Like, has he really taken that next step? Um, I think when it comes to like physically, like speed, I think he's got it. It's just the how much stronger has he gotten and how much is he adapted to the NHL game where he's able to read the game as a third-line center, which, like, every, every position on a, on a forward, you know, group is, is important. But that third-line center, I mean, sometimes you're going to be asked to, to shut down the other team's top line, and sometimes you're going to be relied upon to produce secondary scoring because the first and second line are, are getting shut down pretty well. So what are your thoughts on Cousins, not only – you know just for this game and and being in between Krebs and Paterka but just in general for this season what do you kind of want to see out of him and to be to be said uh we will be doing kind of a best and worst case scenario for a lot of different players um I guess this might just be the the first one um but I guess maybe what is your best and first case scenario with Dylan Cousins
1: I mean ideally I'd like to see Cousins in that spot Casey Middlestad is in because I mean we saw Cousins playing higher up the lineup with uh guys like Skinner and Tuck last year, and he put up incredible results. So it's a bit strange to see him sent back down the lineup because it's definitely going to be a lot for him defensively. I mean, a good chunk of defense isn't just about, like, speed and effort, but at the center position the NHL, it's really about knowing where you have to be, like, knowing how to read plays. I mean, really being responsible at the puck and not turning it over. Because uh, I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, one of his linemates, Peyton Krebs, had such bad defensive impacts last season was he just didn't take great care of the puck. I mean, he turned the puck over a lot uh, relative to his other teammates. I mean, sure, he also made a lot of passes that create stuff on offense, but uh, defensively, he was just kind of getting caved in just with those turnovers that led to prolonged opportunities for the opponent. So it's going to be a test for Dylan Cousins. I mean, I know he put up uh, he helped Krebs put up better defensive results uh, last year, and they are in a line together. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's a test uh, just to see how much he's improved defensively. Uh, I mean, we saw a big improvement defensively in his stats in the second half of the season compared to the first half last year. And throwing a guy like JJ Piterka on line is also pretty interesting. I mean, he plays an up tempo game, plays with a high motor. I mean, how he is defensively at the NHL level still to be determined. I mean, he does have a high motor, but that doesn't always necessarily translate to good defensive results, but it's promising. So maybe this is a line that could work. I could also see this line kind of going horribly and being like a 40% expected goals for percentage line, but hopefully not. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it could be fun. It could be bad. I mean, it could be a mix of everything.
0: And I think the biggest one um, is Jurgensen's centering Apozo and Asplund. What does that mean for LeBron's legacy? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Um, yeah. And then Savoy's <laughs> sticking around. He's uh, centering Henestros and Bjork, I think, I I, if you've listened to the show at all you just kind of know my my thoughts on Anders Bjork I like that they're showing his like personable side uh, because that's pretty much what he's gonna have to rely on I just I'm sorry man like he just strikes me as a player that just goes out there skates up and down the ice like this is the tank years and I know it's not from a lack of effort or whatever it's just I'm not sold at all Um, I think it's just been a steady decline since he's gotten here hopefully that changes and you know maybe an injury opens up a, uh, a spot for him and, and he performs that'd be great. Um, I just don't see it at all. That's something i'm I'm pretty firmly yeah. planted my feet in um, on and I, I don't expect much there, but Savoy and Nostroza being on the same line is pretty interesting. Uh, what do you make of Savoy sticking around? I mean it's it's still early uh, in the preseason there's no harm in keeping him around. they can keep him around for a while and um, not even necessary not even necessarily excuse me. Not even necessarily my bad um, you know keep him in a uh, in just for the nine games. you can keep him around for some more games and just not dress him. Um, I think the best thing for him would be to send him back. but what do you make of him and maybe some other players, not only him, but some other players, sticking around and and possibly playing some of these last preseason games and again my apologies for the horrible voice crack I had like meetings the the entire like last hour and a half of work and then essentially just jumped on this podcast so I'm I'm hurting if I have a voice tomorrow I'm going to be happy about that
1: yeah I mean basically I mean with the guys still sticking around I mean yeah Savoy I mean he's shown some flashes this preseason so yeah I mean and know really they said they're going to get in one more preseason game. So, I mean, that should be interesting to see. I mean, Winnipeg should still have a pretty decent group this upcoming season. I mean, God guy I'd really watch out for on the team as well is Zach Benson. He's a draft eligible for the 2023 class. He's going to be absolutely electric on that team. So definitely has a pretty good environment to go back into to put up a even bigger uh, point performance at the WHL. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Hinnestroza uh, wasn't able to crack uh, those uh, first four lines. I mean, I know he's a guy that, I mean, chose to came back here. Uh, he was a pretty decent player for them last year. But I mean, at this point, without any injuries, it's kind of just a numbers game. So, I mean, it's not too shocking that he found himself pushed out to bomb that lineup. Uh, and then, I mean, if we just talk about the defense real quick, I mean, it's interesting. I see uh, Ilya Labushkin doesn't really have a home in that current top six. I mean, he was their biggest free agent signing this off season. Not like they had really had any big free agent signings, but uh, it's a bit surprising to see him not in that top six. And like Jeremy Davies too, uh, also on there. I mean, he's not in the top six, but he's in that seventh, eighth spot. That's also interesting to see one, because he's above Lawrence pilot and two, because I mean, he had a great preseason Davies and, I think he's earned a look at the A spot, but you got to free my man, Lawrence Pilot. I mean, I don't know what he has to do to get a long-term shot at the NHL, but I thought he looked great in the two preseason games he played in.
0: I think at, at the same time, you have to give some guys some some games. So like some, you know, Pilot might have to sit this one out. It's just the way it goes. Like someone has to sit to, to give someone else a chance. Um, Yoki Haru, not at least from what I've seen in the preseason. Um, during the games, I've had been a little busy, so I've had to like passively pay attention. So I, I don't want to speak on his full game, but some of the things I've seen have been not good, uh, to say the yeah. least. And <laughs> putting all of that pressure on power to play with him is a little bit scary. Um, Samuelson, Dahlin—that's I'm pretty happy about that. I'm just happy that Samuelson is looking more than just like a bottom-pairing defenseman. I just I didn't really know how much of, like, the whole he's a big guy would be affected by the, you know, we're just saying that because he can't skate kind of thing. But he's been rock solid. He he just swallows pucks. And, I mean, like, Jay McKee's someone who, like, never really put up massive points, but all he did was swallow pucks. And he was a very important player, and everyone loves him. And I see, you know, Matias Samuelson can kind of carve his his own little path that way, so that's good. Uh, Fitzgerald Bryson, I just – we're not doing that again, right? Like that's, again, this is just like, this is preseason, you know, get some guys. They some time. somehow
1: posted good numbers last season, which was shocking. I mean, that was the one pair that was like, oh, this end, tragically, but they somehow did. I mean, I don't know. It's just luck or just, the cards they were drawn, but somehow I mean I would love together, to see that... a... <laughs> I, I
0: might do a little research and see like the sample size of that because that blows my mind. But yeah, I mean, it's nothing. It blew against, my mind too, when
1: I saw it. <laughs> It's nothing
0: against each individual player, just together it just doesn't seem like a great fit. Um, yeah,
1: I mean two small guys. Yeah, like
0: Fitzgerald definitely plays bigger than than he is, but I I don't know. It just doesn't. I think defensively, it's just a little bit. There's a little bit too much left to be desired there, I guess I should say. Um, so that's that's where we're at with the, the lineup for tomorrow. Obviously, there's other guys like you know that maybe have played in the last game that aren't getting a shot there. So it'll narrow down next week. We'll probably have to do another episode next week. We'll see if my voice cracks then too. Um, one last thing, the goalies, uh, Anderson, Comrie, and UPL were the goalies. Um, any comments on them at all uh, before we kind of move on to some other stuff here?
1: Uh, I mean, I think they look all right. I mean, that's kind of what you expect is they're just going to be all right. Uh, I know I tweeted out earlier this week kind of like how the Sabres goalie situation is a little bit like playing with fire. I mean, you have Craig Anderson, who's 41 years old. You have Eric Comrie, who had a really good season last year, but the guy only has 28 career NHL games and he's 27 years old. So he's probably going to double his uh, career NHL game total just in the first half of the season. So, I mean, that's pretty insane to think about but i mean it's still a rebuilding year at the end of the day so i mean it's not like they're gonna have like an incredible team and like it's like oh they would have won the cup if they had good goaltending i mean i don't still a rebuilding year so
0: see that's the thing i don't know if it's like people just getting you know getting kind of like mixed in with like the bill stuff or just like really you know had an entire season off uh, an entire summer to just kind of let things, you know, ride out and forget about it. But I've seen a lot more people saying like playoffs question mark. And I'm like, no,
1: no. Like, why are you saying
0: that? Like, I think not we're even all the team ass-
1: is saying playoffs. I mean, that's, I forgot who the interview is with, but yeah. they're like, oh yeah, we hope to improve this year. Yeah. But, I forget who it was too, but playoffs. I remember
0: watching it. And I was just like, they're like, what's your goal this year? And they're like, well, it's obviously to win the Stanley Cup. But and then he just kind of like went into this whole thing and essentially meant to like we hope to make the playoffs if we can. And we have some fans out there like I'm really liking this team like this is a boy. Kids really good. Can you lead us to the playoffs? I'm like, he's freaking 18 years old. What are you talking about? Um, and I guess this leads me into my next thing that it didn't bother me. I, I genuinely found it hilarious. What are you talking about? Jason Robertson. Kevin Adams oh, yeah. makes one phone call and Sabre's Twitter craps their pants. And you know what? <laughs> I love that about Sabers Twitter because you can talk about anything. And a lot of people can, can jump in and it's a great conversation. But I genuinely found it funny how like one report saying like, hey, they might have called Dallas, you know, just inquiring about him. And like mock trades out the wazoo. It was hilarious. I loved. I genuinely loved it because it's content, and you can just like kind of see, you know, where everyone's at, and then you have the people that are like, "I think we can give him like Johnson and a fourth, right?" And then other yeah. people are like, I, "I mean, we could probably give him like Darlene's first child." Like, it's just the it's just the varying like things. Like, some people were like way overpaying, and then some people were like, "What are you talking about? He's an RFA. I'm not going to pay him anything." At the end of the day, I don't think he's. I don't think Robert's going, Robertson's going anywhere. I would assume. But, I mean, Dallas is kind of in one right now because they have Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan making all that money, and Robertson's like, why would I make any anything less than them? And I'm sure they're trying to bridge him like the Sabres did with Sam Reinhardt, and that could end up biting them in the butt too. So they're kind of in one right now. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Jason Robertson thing about him as a player, I guess, um, just because there might be that slight possibility that he comes here, but I highly doubt it. And just your general reaction that – I think it was, what, after the whistle, boy? So Andrew Peters and Craig Ravey said, like, hey, they – like, Kevin Adams makes the call. That's what you want your GM to do, just make a call. Like, if someone calls on Darlene or Power, I want Kevin Adams to take the call. He doesn't have to take the deal. He can even tell the person, like, that's just not going to happen. But take the call. Like, you make the call on anyone that could possibly be available. It's like the same thing with, like, the whole Stefan Diggs. Oh, he's a little unhappy? Let me make the call. Ooh, there's something there? Let's go. Like – It's the same kind of thing, I would assume. I mean, I'm dumbing it down big time, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I found it genuinely hilarious because it was like one thing that blew up into an all-day Twitter thing. And it it was awesome. Again, like I said, it was a lot of content and a lot of different opinions and conversation. And I love that about Sabres Twitter, but I was like, hold your horses, guys. Come on.
1: Yeah, man, I think Jason Robertson, I mean, he's definitely an elite player in this league. I mean really every year he's been in the league he's been driving offense at an insane rate and I mean unlike guys like your Brady Kachuks who also drive offense at an insane rate Robertson's also a high-end finisher too so you're pretty much getting just like an offensive juggernaut with him because he could both put up great expected numbers and outperform some of those expected numbers at the same time with how good of a finisher he is so I think he's truly going to become one of the top offensive players in the NHL over the next few years. So I think he's maybe a bit underrated by the general population with how good of a player he is. I mean, I think he's just fantastic. And in terms of like the Sabres trades, I mean, some of the ones on Twitter of like the untouchable list I've seen. Like if you your untouchable list with this Sabres group is like five, six guys deep over a guy like Jason Robertson, who would immediately be the team's best player. I mean, I feel like that's kind of wild and also the ryan johnson thing i wanted to touch on too because i mean if the sabers let this guy walk since he was a first round pick they're gonna get i believe a 2024 second round pick as compensation and his value as a toss-in in in any trade is not equivalent to a second round pick i mean adam fox got traded for two second round picks and he went he went on to win a norris trophy so if you think Ryan Johnson's value in a trade will be more than a singular second round pick. That's just wild.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I I enjoyed the trade speculation, but yeah, you know, seeing like like Johnson, Portillo, and like a third. Yeah, Portillo.
1: Like, Come on, guys. <laughs> like <laughs> Portillo's worth maybe a seventh. Because I mean the guy could literally sign anywhere.
0: Yeah, and I think he's kind of made that like well aware to people too. Or yeah. at least to, to <laughs> the people in Buffalo. I don't know, like if he has a preference. See the thing is with Ryan Johnson, you can be like, Yeah, he wants to go back to SoCal of course he does like why wouldn't you um yeah his with dad's Portillo. a coach
1: there and he grew up there <laughs> exactly
0: but with Portillo it's like what is he there's no professional team in Sweden like where is he gonna go um yeah so I don't know I mean, maybe he, he just,
1: he's interesting
0: yeah interesting guy um we'll see I mean again they can still sign at the end of the season
1: but um yeah he yeah, I mean, my... could just be an academic weapon that just wants to finish off his business degree <laughs> academic but
0: academic weapon
1: oh that's a great at term the si- at the same time, I mean, maybe he also doesn't want to sign here. I mean, it's literally – the fact that he's Swedish doesn't make it any easier to read, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I can tell
1: you one thing that my
0: parents never said to, to like other parents or something like that is they're never like, that Bill, he's an academic weapon, let me tell you. I, I can tell you that was never spoken. Um, <laughs> but moving on, I, this is – Probably the biggest news we could talk about, and that's why I'm bearing it in like the middle of an episode. Uh New Saber's dog. I saw that come oh, out I today. Saw that. And I'm I'm excited. I've been kinda actually this is getting a little bit more personal. Um, I'm actually kinda like looking to get a dog. I do plan on moving back to Buffalo though, so I, I kinda wanna do the whole like get situated there and then get a dog, but
1: you steal the savers, dog. I was
0: gonna say, hook me up. But I, I think it's actually like a train. They the last one they gave it to was a some kind of veteran, or or it was a, it's a service dog, and um, yeah, I think that's probably what they're going to do again. It's like a small thing, but it, you know, a lot of people love it. You know, I don't know. I had my dog, my, I technically my parents' dog, but she was here uh, yesterday while my parents were doing some stuff in Rochester, and she just brightened the mood. I was just sitting there working, but I was just happier that she was around and. Um, you know, seeing a seeing a happy little dog in the locker room or in the hallways after practice, something like that. I like the I like the vibe. So, that's I know it's game not really changer. That, and yeah, game changer. Exactly. I mean, that's the, That's the kind of move that takes you from like a seventy five point team to a ninety point team immediately. So, um, that's what we're looking for from the Sabers and playoffs question mark. Uh, so, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that. I think that's I just find that pretty cool, and I'm sure everyone else does as well. Amricks camp starts next week. Um, which means that their home opener is coming soon as well. Uh, Tradition on my end is to go to the home opener every single year with some friends. So I will be there. Um, I will buy someone a beer if they actually find me. Um, Let's see what comes of their roster, but can you maybe give a prediction of not your heart, because I know your heart says Lucas Rusek should be (laughs) on the Sabres, but who do you think is going to be right on that bubble to get sent down or, like, be right there at the at that last, you know, preseason game, something like that? Who do you think are going to be those guys that are sent down to Rochester? Um, just a general outlook on them that you have. As of right now, It's again, it's fluid because they don't even have their roster set. Um, we will also have more of an Amherst preview once that is obviously set. We might even have a special guest for that as well. That is going to be coming up later on, but just wanted to get your general consensus on who do you think is going to be right there and maybe the last send down to Rochester kind of thing. Um, and just a general sense of what you want to see from Rochester this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, Rochester this year is definitely going to be really interesting. Uh, They definitely seem like they're a little bit more built towards how they want to play. And I mean, I'm pretty impressed with their defensive signing so far. I mean, the Amherst defense is going to be incredibly deep. I mean, we'll see if the Sabres keep seven or eight defensemen at the next level, but I mean, even so, you're still looking at guys like Kale Clegg, Jeremy Davies, Chase Prisky. Uh, Even Laxanen has his moments. You're looking at some really fun offensive pieces down there that could are a really strong transition it could really help push the pace down there which is kind of how they want to play and then that forward group too is also going to be really interesting uh the interesting part to me is going to be how they fit in all those prospects and actually get them all ice time especially if a guy like tyson kozak ends up not going back to portland because i mean that amyx forward group just they have got so many bodies in that group right now i mean you got guys like malone brett murray brandon biro uh, Kulik, Rosine, Kisakov, Michael Mersch. I mean, you're really just loaded bodies down there that have all been decent AHL players and also prospects too. Who you're trying to get minutes, so it's gonna be interesting to see how they find the balance down there
0: for sure. Uh, Michael Mersch actually signed an extension, so good for him. Um, there's also uh, Mason Jobst, I believe his last name is. They like him oh, down Jobst. there as well. Ohio Jobst. State legend, there you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's some players there. Um we'll, we'll see obviously more as the roster you know accumulates. I think the biggest thing with me is I love that uh Malcolm Subban will be down there. Uh most likely with UPL if I had to guess. And I'm just happy that uh he's around in the organization as, you know, a goalie that's obviously decent but um, as a person too, I think he's an awesome guy and that'll be really good to have him around the young guys down there along with Michael Mersh and, and other guys like that. But, um, I'm excited for the Rochester Americans this season, man. Like some of those games that or, I went to a couple games last year, man, they were intense, um. Especially if you have a guy like Casey Fitzgerald down there, man. He exactly yeah. what you saw with Buffalo is the exact same thing you see down in Rochester. He's giving it his all. And he's causing crap. The first game I went to, I think it was the, the home opener last year or something like that. He was just decking people and he was all over the ice and he looked really good. And he 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 one hundred percent deserved that call up last season. So um, I'm excited. It's one of those things where you really start to see who's separating themselves and and being noticeable. Oh, I forgot about
1: scores. Weissbach
0: don't he's how, gonna be down how dare you i was waiting for you to mention him because i was just gonna go off basically saying like how could you forget him even though i totally forgot him <laughs> um i mean don't sleep that's all i'm trying to say
1: yeah, yeah he looked good in the preseason
0: he does look pretty good in the preseason i think what is this is gonna be a second year pro if i'm not mistaken yeah um so i mean like yeah technically he's what 25 or something like that he's getting up there and but i mean i think he could end up depending I don't know, depending on how injuries go and how the, you know, I guess the makeup of. The thing is, I think Granato is very much like he's not going to call like an Alex Lander and put him on the fourth line or Gregorenko
1: and yeah. put him on the fourth line
0: or Linus Weisbach and put him on the fourth line. I think he probably like has faith in those guys to be able to accomplish the job for what he would put them into in like a fourth line like I I think Lion Weissbach at least would put put forth all the effort he could to play on the penalty kill and stuff like that but I think there's better players in the system, in Rochester and there are different types of player in Rochester that you can insert into this lineup if you need someone that's actually going to play top 6 minutes you can have guys like that if you need someone to play in your bottom 6 you, there's different players in Rochester that can kind of fill got that so yeah free
1: Brett Murray I think yeah. he's got such an interesting skill set. And I mean, really? he's fantastic yeah. in his preseason game. I think, I mean, if you could just with okay. like the way he plays, like if you could turn him into like a six foot six, just like Menace and that bottom six, that could also be like a net front guy in the power play. I think you could have a valuable player.
0: I think you could also maybe even, like, we know that Geergenson's can play center or wing. And, like, Opozo, everyone just assumes he'll be back next year on a team-friendly deal, but they might have to go to Opozo and be like, look, you're our captain this season, we love you, but, like, you have to realize what we're looking at next season, and we would love to have you here, but we also have to give opportunities to other people. I don't know why I'm singling him out specifically, but, you know, there could be, it could be one of those things where it's like, hey, Brett, we really like you for the future and everything like that. But this year we just kind of need you to be a dominant force in Rochester. Do that. You'll get your call-ups and stuff like that. And then we'll try to carve out a a better time for you because it's just, it's such a cluttered bottom six. There's six positions each night for guys to, to play again, obviously injuries, stuff like that, or who knows, maybe some guy plays crappy enough that they get the Cody Eakin treatment and and Granados just had enough of them and just benches them for like an extended period of time, but I wouldn't bank on it, you know? So like that's, there's so many players that you could probably try to pencil into that bottom six. That would realistically make sense. And you're, you're leaving off players that probably
1: deserve to be
0: there. I, I don't know. I feel like we, we might run into that situation this season, depending on. Yeah. You know, I mean,
1: they've got just like the amount of fringe guys they have, yeah. like in Rochester. I mean, that's also like the, where the prospects in Rochester to go question comes up as well. Cause there's so many guys in Rochester that are kind of on the verge of like an NHL spot on like a rebuilding team. Yeah, that I mean, you can maybe sprinkle in prospects throughout, but I mean, I don't think you're gonna see like Isaac Rosine getting minutes over a guy like Weisbach or Siderquist or guys like that or Brett Murray, because I mean, right now those three guys are probably better than Rosine. I mean, Rosine's obviously younger and has more potential, but you're going just towards like. How effective can they be at the AHL level right now? I mean, you may have some names like that ahead of some of the prospects.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's just go over some of the names that are on Rochester. You have Weissbach, Brendan Warren, Zach Berzola, excuse me, uh, Jason, Pe- uh, Josh, excuse me, Pessolt, Josh Pessolt. Oh god, I'm not even gonna try that guy's name. His name's Cohen. That's all I know. He's a right winger. <laughs> uh, Brett. Yeah, they Murray. got some
1: tricky names down there. Yeah,
0: Alexander Kisikov, Casey Fitzgerald, Philip Siderquist, Oscari Laxinen, Lucas Rusek, uh, Matej Picard, Tyson Kozak, uh, Isaac. I forgot Rusek. about Rusek too. Rusek. Who? Here's another he's name. So I don't. Good. I don't know if he's actually still here. Andrew Ogilvy. He was hurt, like or Oglevy. I don't know how he pronounces it. Uh, oh yes, yeah, he so was... he's
1: still listed on the. He's not
0: listed here, but he was hurt all last season, so maybe that's why he's not. I don't know if he's actually going to be back, but you also, like, other guys that you've mentioned. um, And then there's Ethan Prow still there. You yeah, Byro, like you mentioned, oh, yeah, Sean good. Malone. I mean, there's just so many players. That's going to be competitive yeah. down there, too, which is a good thing. Um, but, man, I mean, some of these – Tyson Kozak's really going to have to learn how to play on, like, the third, fourth line of an AHL team. Yeah. And Isaac That's Rose. That's
1: what I am thinking. With, Isaac, like, a guy like Kozak, I mean, even yeah. Rosine, it's going to be, like – Like, you can't expect well, I mean, to be on the top stuck. line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, I mean, I think... Actually, I forgot, Rosine does have that out cause where he can go back to Sweden if he's not getting enough ice time by, like, December or oh, something, yeah, go, so... go
0: get your 30 seconds of ice time over in the SHL, pal, and let me know how it goes. You don't want to play in the bottom six in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, like, I it might not be what you love, pal, but dude, that last season, like, no one knew anything that you did because you, you couldn't get on the ice, and it's, yeah. it, I, it's not necessarily his fault, but I don't know. I mean, like, even if it's not the perfect role in Rochester, it's you know grass isn't always greener over there
1: i mean with kozak though he's i think his situation is a lot more interesting i tweeted about this was that i mean he could be stuck in like a fourth third line role in rochester or he could go back to portland and be like the guy there he'll be the captain of the team like he was last season he could put up like a hundred plus point season there i mean portland's gonna have a contender in the whl playoffs i mean I know it would be a step back, like in terms of just developing his skill, maybe, because uh, like the WHL is obviously a few steps behind the AHL, but it could be a great personal growth opportunity for him to really take on that leadership role in Portland, and oh, maybe it helps out his overall game too, because he's a guy who, I mean, like Michael Pekka said over the off season, he maybe just doesn't realize how good he actually is. And I feel like him going back down to the WHL and being a bit of an older player down Mm -hmm. there. I mean, he'll realize what he's capable of offensively and he could build that confidence down there. So I think the Kozak situation is going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I mean, it sounds like it's leaning towards Rochester, but I mean also Portland would be a great spot too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a confidence builder, like trying things in a game, that he normally probably wouldn't do in the AHL and being like, holy crap, I can actually do that and trying to craft that stuff. Um, You know, I, I think that you can also go to him and say something along the lines of, this is your time to like really make that jump. We see it and fans in Buffalo see it now too, but this is the time you go put up a hundred points, you be the captain, you lead your team and you get a lot stronger, it's like the same thing they said to Reinhardt they're like skill wise you could probably play here skill wise tyson Kozak can play and probably play in the a h l like you said, he might not know exactly what he can do. he might not be his he might not know how good he is, but at the same time it you know this is your time to yeah, you have your team workouts and stuff like that, but find time away from that to get to the gym too and and things of that nature of that's what was asked of Sam Reinhardt. and you know he took it took it to heart and it took him a little bit, but he finally started getting stronger and stronger and and his play started to improve because of it. Um, so I think that's another. Yeah, I mean, one.
1: he doesn't have school anymore. I mean, the younger WHL guys got to go to high school. I mean, the older guys have a little bit more free time on their hands to hit the gym and whatnot. So
0: that's gotta be like, I'm someone that peaked in high school when it comes to like athletics. So I never really got to like enjoy that, but like that little during juniors, like that little after high school before anything else. It's gotta be so nice, man. Because you're still young you yeah. and go do whatever, <laughs> but oh
1: God. That's gotta be really nice. Yeah. I'm, Good chunk of free time, everyone else is at school. <laughs> See that and that's
0: the thing. It's work on work on hockey. Just like become obsessed with hockey, which like it's easy for me to say that behind a microphone, but that's what that's essentially what these coaches are going to be asking of him if he goes down there. It's like you have to, yeah, you have to treat this like you were essentially drafted. Like Pekka's mentioned, he's like I, he's like a first round draft or first round talent, and it's just like treat it that way. Take this incredibly seriously and say like this is this is my building year because next year if you get shot out of a cannon, who knows what can happen? You could even end up in Buffalo uh, by the end of it. So I think that's just like a really good motivation for him. Either way. I would hope, and I would assume that he wouldn't take a a quote unquote demotion to Portland very very rough. Um, obviously, he's going to want to play, you know, professionally. I think that's a goal for everyone. But if he kind of sees that's on the track anyway, and he can go be the captain of a team that can go deep in the playoffs, especially with players he's played with before and has relationships with, and it's you know one last hurrah, and he can take that extra time to work out. I mean, that's that's literally all of it packaged into what you want for a prospect. Um, and the fact that again, we're talking about this with a seventh round draft pick just a couple of years ago. I mean, that's, that's significant. So shout out to management for finding him, um, and, and, you know, shout out to the, the analytics team. I'm sure they had a a part in that and shout out to him because he's obviously worked on it and it's just really nice to see players like that get rewarded. Um, and speaking of players getting rewarded, um, we're going to start rewarding like, our preseason, this is who our team MVP is going to be, our unsung hero, most improved. Um, and we will have one negative. Um, I was thinking about keeping this off, but one negative, our biggest disappointment this season. We're just going to try to guess that there's nothing against that person. We're just, we can even make up some random thing and, and just have fun with that. Um, so, team MVP the Sabres, this upcoming season. Walt, who do you think that will be?
1: Oh, this one's a difficult one. I mean, really? I think yeah. I'm probably going to have to go with... I'll take this kind of the cop-out answer here and go Alex Tuck, just because I think he was the best Sabres player in his somewhat smaller sample last year, and I can't see him really slowing down anywhere. So I'll go Alex Tuck.
0: The only reason I don't go Tage Thompson is I think his... He'll get a few more assists this season. He had, like, what, 30 last season and, like, 36 or 38 goals. I think he'll dip in goals a little bit, go up in assists a little bit. Um, but I think Don Lane's just going to play play well enough that he's just, like, this is his season. I just – I don't know. It just feels like he's in a good spot now, um, and he's had this the summer to to kind of grow from that good spot that he's gotten himself into and – um, you know, whatever kind of past influences were, were kind of like weighing on him. I, th- I feel like he's truly gotten over that now. So I think Darlene, for me, will be the team MVP. Um, I think he's just going to – I think he's matured. I, they've even mentioned, you know, how he's kind of taken more on a, a leadership role and a little bit more vocal. He's having a lot of guys over for team dinners and stuff like that. And I think – him just kind of embracing that will translate onto the ice. Could be wrong. Could be, you know, a rough start and, and hopefully he catches fire. But I think he's going to have a good season, um, you know, pl- be the player that we expect him to be. And so there you go. Marasmus Darlene, team MVP. Um, let's go Unsung Hero, The that one person that, um, you know, the, would is the reason that the Sabres win a couple games or something like that and, and, and really doesn't get the recognition. So who do you think will be the Sabres Unsung Hero?
1: I mean, this one's a bit of a tough one. I mean, I'm going to go, I might go Owen Power here. uh, Just because, I mean, obviously it's hard to be an unsung hero as a first overall pick. But I mean, I think just like his entire personality and the fact that he's a defenseman, he kind of doesn't attract that much attention. And I mean, I also don't think he's going to put up insane point totals this year. So that's the reason I'm going to go with Owen Power here. I think he's going to just have incredible impacts on the game especially offensively but it may not always show up on the score sheet so he's going to be my pick for an unsung hero for this upcoming season
0: i am going to make a case for you for Owen power even though i'm not going to pick Owen power for Owen power an unsung thing is if he can drag yogi Haryu out of the depths of wherever he is because he is a good player yeah. <laughs> we've seen it at times and so like if he can do that that's that in itself is impressive, and then anything that he's able to do as you know, a a rookie um, that was in college last season, and and obviously has the expectations. But I think if he can do something like that, along with performing, and yeah, obviously not blowing out the you know the the point totals out of the water or anything like that, but um, playing well enough that uh, he he lifts Yoki Haru's game and and is real solid back there. I can see why you say that. I'm going to go with Matias Samuelson because I think it's going to be the same reason. He's going to elevate Darlene's game, you know, now that they're partners, what would seem to be kind of permanently. And, you know, they might switch things up here and there. But um, I'm going to go with Samuelson, one, because he blocks shots, man. And I, that's just, God, that's just such a hard job. That's just such, a, I mean, he's probably going to lead the team in that. And that's just, that's real tough, man. That's uh, just tough work. I respect that a lot. Um, As someone that didn't necessarily want to pick Miss Samuelson, just because I wanted to forward where he was picked, I'm glad to see where he's ended up. And, you know, I'm happy to see what he'll do this season. I think at some point we're going to kind of see a – I'm going to make a prediction here. We're going to see a little bit of offense out of him. I don't know. It's gonna be one of those like wrist align and just dangle Brett Burns and everyone's just like what the crap just happened kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm 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 putting my money on that too. So Unsung Hero for me, Matias Samuelson. Um crap, what was it? What was the third one I had? Unsung Hero. We have MVP. We can do the there was another positive one I had, but let's go with the biggest quote unquote disappointment or someone that you maybe had too high expectations and they might have not reached it. Um, I was gonna go first, but I want to think on this for a second, so who do you think might might have a might have a tough season you know or or just not live up the to, to the expectations that we expect from them um again, obviously, we're not hoping this or wishing this um but it's also a podcast, and we're here to make content,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go yeah, i mean i I can't say Casey Milstead here else his neighbor or whoever that guy was <laughs> will. Quote tweet me, but I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Henry Yoki Haru here. Uh, I mean, I know it's this is also kind of a cop out answer because he had a really rough season last year, but some of his decisions. I mean, I know it's the first preseason game, but a lot of his decision making and stuff really just looked off that first game, and you hope he's not like caught in that zone that a lot of young defensemen get caught in where. They tend to overthink things and are afraid to make make a mistake and, in turn, make even more mistakes. And, I mean, the guy literally just looks like he's in like, like Stranger Things or something. He's in like the Upside Down right now or something. We're just seeing like I
0: feel bad for the
1: remnants of himself. I mean, yeah, I don't really know what's going on there because he was he was a good NHL player his first two years here and last year he fell off and the first preseason game was definitely really discouraging. Not that much should be looked into that, but. I mean he's gonna gonna have to turn things around this year uh still has one year left on his deal after this season but I think his future could be at stake with another really bad year here
0: i mean yeah like I don't know i'm not willing to give up on him yet i still think he's a, like he still has that good player in him but there's just like those certain and uh, like again like if you make a mistake as a defenseman it's usually a little and, and a goaltender same thing like it's usually more noticeable but with with him man it's just he doesn't like even pass the eye test. Like there's certain times where I'm like, man, he's just outmatched in this situation. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be too critical right now. We'll kind of see how he plays, but I think you're you're onto something there saying he could he could struggle. I think with me, I'm going to go and again, this is not me wishing he has a bad season or anything. I think Jack Quinn, I think he just he tore it up so much last year that I just I I can't see him living up to his expectations that some people might have for him. Um, and I think, you know, it's he's playing in the NHL now. I mean, those are some big boys with a lot of skill. I mean, he, he might have been playing in the AHL where there's like one or two lines that had a lot of skill. And some of those guys were, you know, skilled and strong. But every single team has, I mean, not, maybe not every single team. We, we still play in a league where Arizona is a team. But, um, you know, we play in a, a league where they're rolling four lines deep and you better be able to keep up. So I think he's just younger. And I just personally think JJ Paterka is just a little bit more elusive and and kind of grinded out that he can adapt just a little bit better his first season. I still think Quinn can have a very good season. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, but I think the like the the floor the floor and the ceiling is the best way of describing it. I think the floor is super low and the ceiling super high, and just that kind of like variability is what leads me to believe he might not live up to it again. I would love for him to put up like 30 or something like that. That would be sweet. That would be awesome. But I think it's just he has a lot of expectations, and rightfully so because he tore it up last year and and good for him. So I think he's kind of he did that for himself, which is a good thing. Um, You know, diamonds are are made under pressure. But at the same time, um, especially if you're going to (laughs) be Getting put on the first line and stuff like that—that that just can be tough. And and there's certain plays where we saw it with other young guys: Reinhardt, Eichel, um, Dalene. We'll see it with Power. They all make mistakes, and some of them are pretty ugly. And I'm sure he'll have some too. So um, I, I'm just worried about the expectations more than than him, the player himself, obviously. So um, that's who I'll say who I'm a little worried about. I guess. Um, is there any other categories that we really wanted to go over? I know we wanted to kind of do some, you know, best and worst case scenarios. With some players as well. Um, any other kind of categories that we wanted to choose players for?
1: Uh, not that I can think
0: of. Maybe I know I'm going to think of something as I'm like mixing this down or something like that, and get just get incredibly upset. and Just be like, oh, could I? Um, I said something before too, and that's the, that's the most frustrating part, and I can't remember. But this has been a this has been a rough episode already for me with the voice cracks and uh, and me <laughs> not being able to remember crap. It was like, oh man. It was a long day at work, let's just say that. But um, we're here to talk about Sabres, not work. Last thing I think really to, to talk about before we do any kind of like best worst case scenarios is how much of a point increase can you see with the Sabres this season? And this, I guess, kind of pulls me back to the whole people kind of talking about playoffs you're, I mean, you're asking for a big-time jump in points. So I just kind of wanted to see, as of right now, where our realistic expectations are for the Sabres. I want to put those out on the floor right now. I know we've kind of mentioned them and alluded to them a lot, but I just wanted to get your take. Where do you realistically see this team this season, points-wise or within the division or the standings? How many points did they miss the playoffs by? Whatever. Um, Just kind of wanted to see where you're at with that before we get into like best worst case scenario for players.
1: Uh, I mean, points probably, I mean, right around like 80 points, I'd say would be like a fair estimate. I mean, I think they could be a little bit better than last year just with the improvements in the young players. But I mean, also last year, they're driven by crazy results from their top line. I mean, who knows that they'll be able to get that again. And like, I mean, not everything was bad last year where it's like, oh, everybody should be better than they were last year. I mean, they actually had some players put together some pretty good years last year. And even like Calo Poso, like Mm -hmm. he outperformed his expected goals by eight or so goals. And he's usually never a guy that outperforms his expected goals. So I think 80 points, like 79 around that range, I think would be a fair estimate for how well this team will do this year.
0: I think you're, that's probably fair, too, and I, I don't think people are really going to like hearing that because that's a five-point jump from last season. They were seven, they had 75 points, 32 wins, 39 losses, 11 overtime losses, which, my God, that's a lot of overtime losses. But yeah. I mean, that's just a—I mean, they were minus 58-goal differential, which is just not great. Um, I just—yeah, like I, even like a 15-point swing, again, these are things that I want. As a fan, I want, but realistically— I just don't see it, man. Like, yeah, you can maybe, you can maybe say Boston's gonna fall off a little bit, but Detroit and Ottawa, I mean, they really kind of full sent it this summer, almost to a point where they could have overdone it. You know, kind of like the thing where they were the Sabres tried to cut off the rebuild with Eichel. You could maybe see that a little bit with some of those teams, on a lesser degree, because the Sabres had like three first round picks in uh, 2015, and they traded two of them for essentially guys that just didn't do much for the team. At all with um Kane Bagosian and Leonard. All good players, but they just didn't do anything for Buffalo. Um or at least not sub- significantly. Let's just say that. You know, I'm not yeah, trying to I downplay mean, their time they, here, obviously. But
1: Yeah. Um, I mean those teams are pretty much like the Oilers, but like replace McDavid and Dry with two worst players in Eichel and Reinhardt. And yeah. you get just a pile of mediocrity. Man, those
0: Edmonton is just it's just so. I yeah. Mean, did they, they just sign for Tannen? <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. Is is Evander, Did Vanderkane Kane end up re-signing there? If I'm not mistaken, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. But now Jake Vertan is going there. Like, what's going on in Edmonton? Like, they're that desperate to get any kind of talent around Connor McDavid and Drys Idol. It seems. Yeah,
1: I mean, they just. It it's seems just like there's so many opportunities there. where they could add talent for like a reasonable price and whatnot. And then I mean, you get the stuff like. Messing around with maybe not bringing back like Pulyu Yarvey and maybe trading yeah. Yamamoto and like stuff like that. It's like, does this team like realize they have two of the best players in the NHL, including the best player in the NHL? Like literally all they got to do is put an average group around these guys and you'll have a great team. I mean, even their drafting has been all right, if not below average. So I mean, I guess we'll see with them.
0: They are essentially Mike Trout and Shohei Otani
1: fantastic
0: yeah. <laughs> generational players that are just a delight to watch and they're getting absolutely squandered absolutely squandered yeah. by their teams and it's just
1: like that playoff performance last year they were like 32 points in like 18 or so games it's like how do you not want a cup if you have two guys going off like that and it's because the
0: rest of your team stinks um i mean <laughs> yeah. look that's that's their problem the sabers have had so many problems like we could just go on and on about those and we have <laughs> we have in the past um so i mean you know it's kind of like you know take a look in the mirror but yeah it's just you have kind of freaking mcdavid man and leon drys idol and that's just <laughs> happening it's just it's just wild it's just wild but um i mean another wild thing is i they're they're playing they're playing at a college <laughs> nhl games oh, are gonna yeah. be played at university of arizona i was looking at that to be uh, fair, Arizona State, Put Arizona respect State on the Sun Devils. Sorry, excuse me. My bad. <laughs> um yeah, there's there's been some not so nice jokes about people that go to those those colleges down there. Anyway, um <laughs> the I mean, let's be honest, the arena itself looks nice for a college team. I mean, com- in comparison to what they're playing in now, I checked it out and I was like, "Oh jeez." I mean, there are some like ACHA D1 teams. That have nicer arenas, like Oswego has a nicer arena than the one they were playing at. By the way, Oswego's arena, (laughs) holy crap! I played a game there. That was probably that was like that was like a top ten experience. Honestly, it was such a nice arena, dude. I can't believe it. I could not believe it. It was so nice. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It blew my mind. Um, They're a really good D three team, though, so that kind of makes sense. But anyway, um, it's just (laughs) I I can't. They're playing at a I, – I just – I still can't believe things got to this level. I mean, it sounds like they're going to have yeah. good attendance-wise, but how can you freaking not? It's 5,000 seats or whatever it is. Like,
1: Yeah, it seems like – especially <sighs> it's like wild. now, it's, it seems pretty crazy. I mean, I know like in the 90s, like you had like some expansion teams playing like weird arenas, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah the NHL was like a really small league back then and kind of niche, but now it's like sports being so big and whatnot and the NHL yeah. being such a giant league that it's – wild type of team playing in a college arena
0: i mean it is again they could have done the whole like they could have made it super cool and like turned it into a, like a huge college thing at the same time you know sometimes yeah they're being into... priced
1: out too i mean the yeah yeah, and that, and I think that, the cheapest seat at most of their games on the resale market is like hundred, like over a hundred dollars. So. <laughs> see, that's just tough, man. But I mean,
0: supply and demand. But I mean, they could have done that; yeah. that would have been cool. At the same time, it kind of would have been a nightmare for security and stuff like that. Let's be completely honest. Yeah. I was in college. You were in college. Everyone listening is either going to, or most people are going to college, or have been to college, or they just know, you know, kind of what happens So I can, I can maybe understand that as well. Um, I don't know maybe there's some students down there that can afford those tickets or something like yeah, that that would be nice
1: fork out some money to watch the 2022, 23 Coyotes finishing last place. Well, I
0: mean, you have to do what I did with the Sabres when they were so crappy and you were getting tickets for like eight bucks where like parking was literally (laughs) double and then some like 220% of what the ticket was. But I would go to go watch like really good players. I remember going to watch my favorite games to go watch were when the Sabres and the Florida Panthers were garbage, but there was like Aaron Eckblad and some other players that were playing on there. Um, I think I even saw, like, Yager live when he was playing down there, too, and the tickets were super cheap, and I think that's just kind of the same thing you could do there, maybe. I mean, yeah, you're going to watch Arizona, and uh, but at the same time, Edmonton's in town, and you get to watch Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl probably closer than you ever would at any other stadium, I am not Maybe, maybe in Arizona because you could actually get cheap t- tickets there, but playing in like a small arena, you know what I mean? Like that that is a cool atmosphere in that sense, but it's also like how in the world did we come to this? It's such a like a conflicting feeling for me because it is genuinely a cool little setting, like a small arena It's more intimate, kind of feels like a European, you know, real rowdy and, and passionate fans that do show up. Um, but it's going to be a little weird being like, this is just not an NHL arena, and I'm sure – I'm sure the players there are going to have decent amenities, but I would be very interested to see how different it is. But last point, to be fair, probably better than Calgary's because holy crap, did you see their locker room?
1: Oh, yeah. And it looks like their <laughs> locker
0: room I played for at St. Bonaventure, dude. Yeah. Nothing nothing against the nice people that. down there at uh, in only but my God, that rink was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> I mean, like... I I know that there was like that real, I don't remember exactly when it was, but everyone redid their locker room. The Sabres did, and everyone was. I think it might have been like the late 2000s or something like that, but everyone was doing it. Calgary hasn't upgraded since the 70s, baby. I mean, what is going on in there?
1: Yeah, it's like their main locker room looks like a visitor's locker room. (laughs) Right?
0: I mean, and you live in Calgary. And this is someone from Buffalo. (laughs) or excuse me, not Buffalo, I live in Rochester, but know what happens in Buffalo and Rochester. Like, you know, again, you can look in the mirror and say, like, yeah, if you're getting what we get and you're, like, you can't get any kind of other amenities like that. Like, they must have, like, a sweet player's lounge or something like that. The Xbox must be rolling all the time because, holy crap, that locker room stinks as compared to other teams. My favorite thing was, like,
1: I remember the Sabres upgraded their locker room and they didn't have a good year and all the complaints. Like, oh, it's the locker room. Yeah, uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're just playing uh, Connect 4. Yeah, they're all on the own, fireplace they should be practicing their slap shot.
0: They play, like, one ping-pong game after, t- uh, after practice, and three weeks later yeah. they lose <laughs> a game 5-1, and some guy from uh, Cheek to Wag is freaking out because <laughs> some guy was working on his serve instead of snapping 500 wristers after practice. Yeah. And you're like, what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> but, I mean, we're we're essentially at the point where, um, you know, we're just kind of talking crap on other teams, and I, I kind of feel bad about uh talking about them just because like we are at the end of the day we're sabers fans man and i've even said on this episode the sabers aren't making the playoffs we both said it so that means the the streak is extending. So it's just like, it is kind of tough to, to talk some crap on other
1: teams, yeah. but studying records every year. I Hey, I'm having fun. That's all I care about. So <laughs> let's do
0: some best worst case scenarios. Um, I know this was actually uh, a listener's question oh, on our before last episode. And we wanted to hold off on it. I'm actually going to rip through these as fast as possible. When I say a name, you give me best and worst case scenario. If I really have anything to add that's different than you, I will. But other than that, i think we usually agree on most things um at least on air off air we're usually at each other's necks but um we'll talk about that later yeah, Off air, it gets violent <laughs> what do you mean it gets violent <laughs> you, we, if anyone actually saw us at the game you'd realize oh waltz is way bigger than bill um, anyway craig anderson best worst case scenario
1: i think best case scenario he stays healthy he's like a Somewhat smaller 1B role, and he puts together a similar season as last year. I think worst-case scenario is that completely falls off and also suffers from injuries.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me to say is uh, worst-case scenario for all of these guys is any kind of injuries or long-term injuries or, like, a lot of small injuries that just keep chopping up and they can't get the flow into the season and stuff like that. I think that's probably going to be my worst-case scenario for everyone. Um, So I might not even mention that, I think, for Craig uh, best case would be that he plays really well, um, but he also this is even the better thing where even if he's playing well, he understands that the Sabers need to give some games to UPL. If that you know kind of situation comes up where UPL is playing really well and they're like, look, I mean, we, we he deserves that we need to do this, and Craig has the wherewithal to be like, yeah, I get it. I think that's really best case scenario. If he's playing really well, just they're probably just going to ride the hot hand. So I'm really adding gravy on top of that, but I mean a boy can wish can he so best best and worst case scenario for Eric Comrie let's go Malcolm Subban as well and UPL let's just get all the goalies out of the way um and and kind of readdress the defenseman from there
1: uh well Eric Comrie best case scenario I think is that he turns into a true starting goalie and what we saw last season with Winnipeg is truly what he is I mean worst case scenario is probably he ends up being like a just a run-of-the-mill goalie I mean maybe even a below average goalie and he's not really a guy you can trust long term uh Lukanen I think for him it's simple best case scenario he stays healthy worst case scenario he gets injured again I mean he suffered from a ton of injuries over his NHL career and it's really kind of hampered his chances at an NHL job and Malcolm Subban best case scenario vibes worst case scenario I don't think there is one
0: I love him, man. I just think he, he just has like such a good personality. Um also shout out to his brother PK, uh retired from the NHL and um I was actually talking with my pops about this. Uh, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but um uh, basically was saying like with a guy that didn't have like the personality of PK, he might try to like get a, you know, get a job somewhere like get another NHL job somewhere or like a two way job, you know, like, hey, I'll play for your AHL team, but um, you know, leave me the opportunity to try to make your nhl team kind of thing um with him like he just has such a good personality that i think he's just going to seamlessly move into the next phase of his life so um i know he kind of fell off at the end of his career just like so many others um but man like he was kind of like a trailblazer in a sense um with some of the things that he was able to do on the on the blue line there and it was an awesome career so i don't know i mean I know he, he listens to this show, so shout-out to you, PK. But, um, yeah, I just you know wanted to mention that as well. So great vibes with the Supan boys. Um, let's move on to the defensemen. Um, let's start with, I guess, just the, the guys that are listed on the Sabres roster right now. We'll go alphabetical, too, because why not? Jacob Bryson. We'll go in threes, too. Jacob Bryson, Rasmus Dahlin, and Henry Yoki Haru. Best and worst-case scenario.
1: I mean, Bryson, best-case scenario is he's able to stick in the Sabres lineup. I think worst-case scenario is he gets pushed out of that top six and spends a lot of time in the press box. Uh, Yoki Haru, uh, I'd say best-case scenario is that he really bounces back and plays like he did in his first two years. I mean, even if he does that, that's still acceptable. I think worst-case scenario is he's same thing as last year, which was one of the worst defensemen in the NHL, and start to question what his future is like and then was the other one Dahlin yes I think Dahlin I mean best case scenario is that he takes that next jump and is a positive impact player in both the offensive and defensive ends uh, while also still putting up great numbers and really gets his confidence back and becomes the player we thought he could be I think worst case scenario is really just more of what we've seen the past few years where it's just very inconsistent play there's times where it looks like he's lost all his confidence Uh, that's really something that I think would be really discouraging if that happens again this year so I'd say that's worst case scenario
0: yeah I agree with all of those um let's go with the next four then because that's that's what's left here at least on the Sabres roster I'll ask you about a couple Amherst guys as well uh Ilya Labushkin Lawrence Pilot Owen Power and Matias Samuelson I'm actually going to take Lawrence Pilot because His is he gets that opportunity and he seizes it and he just never lets it go. I'm not saying best-case scenario is he makes the Sabres out of camp. I'm saying when he gets that opportunity because it seems like he's on the outside looking in. As of right now, who actually knows? But that's just kind of how it seems. And if he gets that opportunity, he seizes it. I think worst-case scenario is... You know he goes to Rochester, and for some reason, it's just not working out or whatever, and then he doesn't get that opportunity. Or if he does, he just like massively falters. I don't know if it's confidence or whatever. So that's my best and worst-case scenario. I would assume you probably agree with that, but um, let's go with the other three then, Ilya, Labushkin, Power, and Samuelson.
1: I mean, Labushkin, I think, best-case scenario is that he's able to maybe play a little bit higher up in the lineup, kind of like he did in Toronto with Morgan Riley and could really be that defensive guy that lets an offensive player flourish or at least flourish without the defensive mishaps uh worst case scenario is i guess he's not a regular in the top six i mean you're paying him a decent amount of money to sit in the press box so i think that'd be worst case scenario and then uh owen power i think best case scenario is like he puts up fantastic analytics again he's just a beast in the offensive zone driving offense he also puts up the point holes as well i think worst case scenario is that kind of loses that confidence doesn't find the right partner and struggles a bit uh samuelson probably same answer for me as labushkin with him i mean that he could be that defensive player that uh, helps enhance an offensive player's defensive game and worst case scenario is that he struggles to stick in the top or the Sixth defenseman in the lineup.
0: All right, two bonus defensemen. Casey Fitzgerald and Oscar Laxinen.
1: Uh Fitzgerald, I mean best case scenario I think is NHL minutes. Worst case scenario is being sent down to the HL. Laxinen, I think best case scenario is really that he shows a bit more dynamic play at the defense position and shows that he could be more than a liability defensively. I think worst-case scenario is really what we saw last season. I mean, I don't think he had the trust of the coaching staff the full season. His ice time kind of went down a bit. He was scratched a few times. So I think we see more of the same last season. His time in the organization won't be that long-lived. Before we get to the forwards,
0: Amrick's head coach, Seth Appert.
1: Uh, Yeah, for him, I'd say best-case scenario is really just – being able to play the style of game that it seemed like he wanted to play last year. I mean, just really pushing the pace offensively. I mean, rush-based team. I mean, really just that. I mean, worst-case scenario is maybe kind of the worst we've seen in the Amex last year. Where they play that rush-based system and kind of just get killed defensively.
0: Okay. head uh, coach Don Granato.
1: Uh, I think best-case scenario is he continues on what we've seen from him, continues to develop the team shows a little bit of improvement in the standings. I think worst case scenario is think a losing streak. I mean, imagine like if he did a kruger losing streak with like 15 or so games, it, those are always tough to bounce back from.
0: Yes, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, last one when it comes to front office people, GM Kevin Adams.
1: Uh, I think best case scenario he stays the course. Worst case scenario he tries to rush things a little bit. Uh, I think they're in a good spot right now to kind of just let their youth continue to develop. I mean, really take this year as a year to see where everyone is in the organization and I mean, let those draft picks continue to develop and reassess each year but not make anything too drastic.
0: I would put my money on him staying staying the course. So, probably looking at best case scenario there if I had to guess. I just I can't imagine. Uh it still could happen, but I just can't imagine. All right, onto the forwards here. Um I'm trying to see I mean, do we really want to go over guys like Andres Bjork and Riley Shahan? Yeah, let's do it. We're doing all of them. Going groups of three. Rasmus Asplund, Andres Bjork, and Dylan Cousins.
1: Uh, I think Asplund, best case scenario is he continues those defensive impacts from last year and could also... Yeah, I mean, if he could do that in a larger role, I mean, maybe he could get even more of those votes next year. But yeah, really just doing that in a larger role. I mean, worst case scenario... Uh, I guess his defensive impacts fall off and it was kind of all smoke and mirrors. I mean, that would be worst case scenario. And then uh, the next one, Anders Bjork, best case scenario, not in the press box. Worst case scenario, in the press box. And then Dylan Cousins, best case scenario is he really makes that jump offensively uh, because he really hasn't made... I mean, he made a jump last year from his rookie year, but it's not a jumper. It's like, oh wow, this guy's firmly a top six offensive contributor so i think best case scenario is the offense comes and like worst case scenario is the opposite the offense doesn't come uh struggles defensively i think that would be worst case scenario yeah i was
0: gonna say if he can fall back on like even if he isn't blown like if he doesn't score as much as he did last year like that's definitely a concern if it's the same you're like okay well he's not making any progress there but if he's playing good defensively, that's something to fall back on. It's not as good, but it's like, okay, well, if he's going to be like a third-line center, I mean, if he's not tearing it up offensively, at least he's good defensively. But if he's not, you know, improving offensively, if he's staying pretty static and he's getting caved in trying to play like third-line center or something like that, that's definitely worst-case scenario. So I agree with those. Zemgis Girgensons, Vinny Hinostróza, and Peyton Krebs.
1: Uh, Gergensen's, I mean, best case scenario is he shows he can play center and has good defensive impacts. I think worst case scenario is he gets pushed out of the lineup. Uh, Henestrosa, I think best case scenario is he really just gets minutes. Uh, I mean, at four group's filling in more. So, yeah, the worst case scenario is he gets pushed out of that starting 12 and throws to get back in. Uh, Krebs, worst case scenario, the defense doesn't improve at all. The offense is still isn't that great. Uh, I think best case scenario is he finally is able to really like connect plays offensively he kind of gets the reads down at the NHL level and can really play his type of game and also he gets stronger in board battles and is able to win pucks I think that'll also make a big difference
0: yeah I think uh, another thing with him like best case scenario is like like you said the strength to go along with his motor because I never really questioned his like effort out there uh, he was always, you know, putting forth that effort. It's just being able to make that translate into meaningful plays, and um, yeah, being able to see more of that, even if it might not necessarily translate to the score sheet. I think he's going to, you know, pick up his assists as he does. Um, probably not going to have a huge goal total. I think, you know, best case is if he's, you know, starting to, to push towards twenty goals. That be that would be like again, and this is factoring that he plays eighty two, you know, full eighty two games, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't want to voice crack again. I've already hopefully learned my lesson. Um, moving on from Peyton Krebs and those guys, Casey Middlestat, Kyla Pozo, and Victor Olafson.
1: Uh, Middlestat: Best case scenario is he takes that second line center opportunity and runs with it. I oh, think yeah. worst case scenario is that the offense doesn't come. Uh, Victor Olafson: I think best case scenario is that he shows that a lot of last season was because he was unhealthy. Because, I mean, if he was healthy the full last season, I think he'd put up great offensive numbers. I think worst-case scenario is he kind of gets boxed out of those shooting roles with, I mean, Tage Thompson taking more of the shot totals on a power play and Quinn coming up. I think worst-case scenario is he gets pushed out of one of those roles. And, I mean, who's a third forward again?
0: Caloposo. Uh,
1: Oposo. Yeah. I think best-case scenario is he just – that veteran leadership guy worst case scenario i mean he's just a vibes guy so i really can't think of one at this point i think yeah, i, I mean, can't imagine he, like if he really that's bad
0: if he falls off and he goes back to like previous form where he was just really bad and like struggling with health wise too and obviously you just want him to stay healthy did you end up watching um the golf thing for spitting and i i'm not much of like a Spit and chicklets person but I saw that Opozo and Molson were playing golf against him at, uh, what is it, Brookfield Country Club or something like that, and I ended up watching that. Um, Opozo's got some hands around the green. Um, (laughs) Molson is not as good as I thought he was going to be when I initially, like, turned on the video. Oh, really? Um, Nothing against him, I mean, but, um, you know, he, he seems like a, like, I don't know, Molson just seems like a quiet guy that I would enjoy as, like, a person. But um, yeah, I just I, I, j- I personally thought Opozo was a better player that day and he's pretty good around the green. So I know that has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. I just wanted to, to throw that out there. If you haven't seen that, anyone um, is to to check that out. It's like it's a 45 minute or um, I won't spoil the ending, but it goes down to the end um, photo finish, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, I, w- I would say check that out. So anyway, sorry. Moving on from that, uh, Jack Quinn, Riley Shahan and Jeff Skinner
1: uh jack quinn i think best case scenario is he gets top six minutes worst case scenario is he doesn't and he struggles uh shayanne i think best case scenario is he gets nhl time worst case scenario he's in rochester and then i think for skinner uh i mean i'd say best case scenario with him is he really just does what he did last year i mean we saw prime jeff skinner last year they let him be his own chaotic self i mean really just generate those expected goals and Really put himself in situations where he's able to turn those expected goals into goals. I mean, worst case scenario, probably kinda of what Ralph Kruger tried doing to him. I mean, Oof. really holding him to a system. I mean You mean really pinning him to the fourth line
0: and things, not you know. moving him at all and talking about principles the entire time?
1: Yeah, so that's why I can't see Granado doing. So yeah, I, I mean just, more yeah. or less like worst case. Case scenarios, he just loses his finishing ability a bit because we've seen that happen. Yeah, he'll have Even like a good
0: year and then a bad year and then a good case. year and then a bad year, and that'll kind yeah. of like, you know, just hope that doesn't happen for sure.
1: All right. So, damn. yeah, that's worst case scenario with him.
0: Yeah, this is the last three, I'm kind of going through the Amherst thing and a lot of these guys, it's, yeah, we'll be okay. So, let's go with these three. J.J. Paterka, Tage Thompson, and Alex Tuck.
1: I think Paterka, best case scenario is he is able to find a spot in the top six, is able to produce. Uh, I think if he's able to produce well offensively next year, that speaks wonders for his development. Worst case scenario, I mean, as a rookie, there's really not many worst case scenarios. I mean, I guess really just he struggles to produce and puts up poor impacts. Uh, I mean, that's really all I could think of. And then for Tage, I think best case scenario is really last year. I mean, it's hard to say anything different than last year because he really blew up offensively last season nearly scored 40 goals i mean it's going to be difficult to see him top that
0: yeah i was gonna say like he just makes that 7.1 contract almost look like a bargain already you know what i mean like that would be best case scenario is him going out there scoring 40 and us basically saying like this guy should have been making like realistically if you're gonna put up 40 and what have 35 assists 40 assists something like that 80 points like should probably be making something like nine million dollars a year or something like that you know what I mean and just proving that his contract's worth it and then obviously worst case scenario is him just completely bombing and and falling out I, I just I, I can't see it I mean I can see him regressing a bit but I just can't see him like doing the whole hey I'm going through my own slot and I'm just going to drop past it to someone kind of stuff anymore so like I just can't imagine that either so I don't know. I think it's you know how the how I said the you know the floor is super low and and the ceiling's super high for someone like Jack Quinn. I think it's kind of like the opposite for Thompson. I think like the ceiling's a little bit lower and the floor's a little bit higher. I think he's just going to have one of those like middle of the street seasons even if it isn't him blowing it out of the water. I also don't think people are going to be like holy crap this this 7.1 million dollar contract's going to be an issue going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think worst case scenario with him is just like a lot of his results last year are environment based, and he doesn't put together those five five results without like ideal line mates. I feel like that would be worst case scenario. like yeah. he turns to a forty point guy, that's absolutely not worth seven million. No. But yeah, I mean, certainly. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, did we do? You did? Uh, did we do Alex talk last one?
1: Uh, yeah, not yet. I mean, I think best case scenario is really what he did last year. I mean, he had one of the better seasons of his career. Uh, really added a new element to the Sabres. I mean, he really helped get that top line going. So really just more the same for him. I mean, I think really just for all that top line Skinner, Tuck, Thompson, I mean, best case scenario with all of them is really their last season. And for Tuck, I mean, worst case scenario is maybe the offense dropping off a bit. I mean, I really can't see his impacts dropping off too much just because I think he's really well set up within the Sabres system to be an impactful player. So I think worst case scenario is just the offense isn't there and the finishing isn't there and maybe something like that.
0: Yeah I mean there was a point last season where he went on like a he was on that hot streak and then he went on like a big cold streak and then he kind of like smoothened out at the end I'd say. I think he like you said he'll still have those impacts and when we're looking at all the advanced stats which I think at this point um, I want to just throw this out there as like an idea that I had for this show actually is to have like a stat of the week or a stat of the episode. So we'll bring you a little bit more specificity on some of the advanced stats that we're seeing with the Sabres and truly make this Sabre metrics in a sense. But um, I think, yeah, like you said, the impacts will still be good, but he does have those like long lapses of time where he just isn't putting up points. Still playing well and obviously still playing in the lineup, but just not able to produce in that sense. I think that's worst case scenario but again i think with all of these worst case scenarios i think some of them i mean the ones that we said where, hey this guy's you know worst case scenario he's in rochester i think you know that could realistically happen but i think some of the other like mainstays on the sabers lineup i don't think really any of them are going to hit that worst case scenario that we mentioned i i some of them might hit the best case too so find that happy medium right there um, we just kind of wanted to to throw those out there. Uh, is there anyone else really, whether it comes to anyone else in Rochester that we didn't mention or any kind of prospects or something like that uh, that you wanted to mention? I mean, I guess maybe you could say Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo, you know, best-case scenario, sign them. Worst-case scenario, don't. Um, but I even at the worst-case scenario, like you mentioned, uh, Ryan Johnson, second-round pick in 2024 if he— he ends up walking so anyone else that you wanted to mention other than that um walt's gonna have the last word anyway for the end of the show
1: here uh, i mean i think well the last player i probably bring up is lucas resek i was oh, really impressed by right. him in the preseason yep. <laughs> i know the sabers coaching staff loves him too the rochester coaching staff loves him i mean that passing ability and really his aggressive style of play i think i think he can fit seamlessly into a top nine role so have injuries happening, he gets that spot. I can't see him giving it up, and I think we'll be at the Sabres sooner rather than later.
0: I should have I should have mentioned him. I I saw his name and I forgot to mention him. You know, since you said Rusek and that's your boy, I'm gonna go with my boy, my boy. Don't sleep. Linus Weisbach. Um, <laughs> he gets NHL games, and the worst case scenario is you know maybe he just doesn't play well this season or something i don't know i'm really interested to see what they actually do with him in the lineup and a couple other players in the lineup but really interested to see what they do with him and like a brett murray and kind of see how they utilize him and i don't know i mean there's not gonna be any taxi squads or anything like that so man you're gonna be fighting for spots but this is what we wanted i mean like these kinds of kind of conversations are the conversations that we've been dying for because before it was like this guy that doesn't deserve to be in the nhl is getting called up kind of thing you know like they were just they just didn't seem to have the kind of quality and depth that they have now in a sense it might not be you know playoff depth but at least guys are fighting for spots you know what I mean like there's still a lot of room to grow and there's still a lot of there again like I said earlier six spots each night in that bottom six that are going to be up for grabs Um, some of them are going to be locked in by you know some secondary scorers but other than that I mean we could see a healthy rotation of some guys too I'm just really interested to see what happens there so um, any other you know comments or, or last thoughts there, Walt? Or do we uh, do we sign this one off? This has been a this has been a long one.
1: I guess last thing. I mean, the charging Buffalo Sabres preview guides going to be out hopefully within the next two weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, That'll give us or give you guys even more info on kind of like how I view each Sabres player heading into the season and kind of how I think they need to improve or how they're already excel in that area of their game so keep an eye out for that
0: i will say if you like the sabers draft guide you will like this let's just say that is that fair
1: i think so yeah it's going to be a similar format so if you like guides you'll like reading this guide
0: i mean i think People that listen to this, and especially if they've gotten to this point, they're passionate about Buffalo. They're likely, you know, have some intelligence other than, like, just try to bash this guy's head in. And why are we taking out all the enforcers and stuff like that? So I would assume that they would be <laughs> interested in in reading something like that. So we'll obviously keep you posted on that. Walt's done a lot of hard work on that. He's going to have his newsletter coming out, too. That's going to be um, a weekly thing during that's the season. Those are awesome. Um, those just have like all the, just like the information, man. Like uh, I know that's what you guys were going for when, when this was all started, but um, advanced stats, you know, talking, you know, briefly with some bullet points about what's going on and then some more in depth stuff. I just, um, I, I, I'll be honest. I was a little hesitant on the whole newsletter thing just because I didn't have any like knowledge of it or I, I haven't subscribed to any, so I didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, This is one I'm super happy to have, honestly. Um, And I follow the Sabre, so a lot of it I already kind of have a general sense of. But there's even stuff that, as an avid fan, you're pointing out that I'm like, holy crap, that's a good point. It's just impressive. Um, I'm not trying to, like, gas you up or anything. I just genuinely think, like I I said, people (laughs) listening to this have some kind of, you know, intelligence for hockey and and some appetite for it. And um, I'd definitely say – you know, subscribe to that on Substack and, and check out more content from the Charging Buffalo. Uh, things are really going to start revving up here shortly. Um, got an announcement on our end, at least for stuff that I've been doing on on my end. That announcement's coming uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, too. Um, there's just a lot of things for the start of the season that are going to get thrown out there. So I hope people are ready. Um, again, this is the Sabermatrix podcast. Oh, my God. I think that just perfectly epitomized this episode. Bill can't speak. <laughs> um, luckily, only, you know, had one bad take of of the intro because that usually that's usually pretty worse. But round two, this has been the Sabermetrics podcast hosted by the Charging Buffalo. My name is Bill. That's Walt. We'll catch you on the next one.